Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Lighthouse Canton Insights Podcast. This series is brought to you by Lighthouse Canton, a global investment institution that provides wealth and asset management services to accredited investors. Here on this podcast, we'll look to shine a light on the market developments and share strategic insights to help you navigate the global investment landscape. In each episode, we'll be bringing you conversations from leading experts in various fields, including Lighthouse Canton's own investment team and specialists. This podcast was recorded on 14th September 2023 and was prepared based on the information available as of the date of recording. Please stay tuned for the important information at the end of this episode. Welcome everyone to Lighthouse Canton Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Antoine Brack, Head of Investment Advisory at Lighthouse Canton. In this episode, we explore global fixed income market opportunities and challenges, along with an enhanced focus on the GCC market. We will discuss the fight against inflation and the expected trajectory of the US Fed fund rates for 2024, including portfolio strategies for potential rate cuts and the implication of a sustained US yield curve inversion. On the global stage, we'll assess China's deflationary concerns and their potential ripple effects worldwide. Shifting to the GCC region, we will explore trends in the fixed income markets and effective risk management strategies in the face of economic and geopolitical uncertainties. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Shirag Doshi, Chief Investment Officer of the Qatar Insurance Company. Shirag is a renowned thought leader and brings decades of expertise to this conversation. Thank you for joining us, Shirai. Thank you, Antoine. Thank you for the opportunity. Always a pleasure. Today, we are going to dive into the world of fixed income and notably the GCC market. Shirag, I'd like to start our conversation with a question about inflation. Globally, inflation appears to be cooling down. For instance, the US CPI was at 3.7% in August, down from well above 8% a year ago. Do you think central bankers have won their fight against inflation? Antoine, we're starting with a very interesting question. Our view is, yes, the inflation has definitely cooled off from a very high single digit in 2022 to, let's say, 3.7% in this month. Have the central banks won the fight against inflation? I think my answer to that would be not yet. The fight is on. As we know that Fed's threshold or Fed's target is 2%. We're still well above the 2% target of at 3.7. The disappointing development of late has been the oil price. I mean, we've seen that oil price has moved above $90 a barrel again due to the continued uh, cuts as well as the situation in Libya. And this is going to continue to put an upward pressure on the inflation in the coming months. So the answer to the question is, the fight is on, but I don't think the central banks have won the fight yet. All right. Thank you, Shirag. My next question revolves around interest rates. So you mentioned the 2% target and the impact of oil on, on inflation, which is very interesting. We will come back to oil slightly later. Uh, let me come back quickly on interest rates. Just a few months ago, bond investors were predicting the Fed might cut rate by September. Yet now... As we find ourselves in September, the market is split with half expecting the rate to pause and the other half anticipating a quarter point increase. Given this backdrop, where do you stand on that issue about a pause or a 25 beeps hike? 
And do you anticipate the U.S. fund rates to stay above 5% into 2024? So, Antoine, as a house, our view is that there is a potential for 25 basis point rate hike later this year, most likely in November or December. And that's, again, primarily because the stickiness of the inflation, it is still not under control. Uh, It's not below the 2% threshold. And the recent developments on oil prices, it's not helping. So we are in the camp of one more rate hike later this year and then a pause. In terms of rates in 2024, I believe the market is slightly more aggressive in, in terms of rate cuts. Our expectation is that the rates are going to be uh, higher for longer. We expect a rate cut in very late 2024 or probably early 2025. So, so the answer to the other question, whether the rates will remain above 5% in 2024, yes, most likely they will remain above 5% unless we see a significant change or unless we see uh, in terms of the economic development or as we call it hard landing, I don't see the Fed will be in any rush to sort of start cutting the rates aggressively in 2024. Very interesting. So thank you, Shirag. So if I can sum up your statement here, QIC anticipate most likely another 25 beeps high by the end of the year. Will QIC make any adjustment by extending the duration in its portfolio next year in anticipation of a potential rate cuts, let's say, later in 2024 or the year after? You know, QIC is an insurance company. So our durations are sort of anchored to the liability durations, right? So we do have a wiggle room is small in terms of playing the duration game. Now, what we have done is in anticipation of sort of flattening, I mean, you've seen the market, especially in the five year and a 10 year has moved slightly while the front end has moved up sharply. Uh, We have already increased the duration of the portfolio this year. Our duration, let's say earlier or say mid of this year was close to two and a half. We've already moved it to closer to three, slightly less than three. And yes, we would move it to slightly about, uh, let's say, closer to three and a half by uh, by sort of mid next year to take advantage of the possibility of rate cuts going into late 2024 and the 2025. So again, being an insurance company, we don't have a massive wiggle room. We can't just push our durations from two to a seven or eight. But whatever we can, yes, we will definitely, we are in the process of moving our duration higher. All right. And thanks for the transparency, Shirak. This is much appreciated. My next question dwells a bit deeper into the technical side. We've seen the U.S. yield curve remained inverted for over 18 months now, which is unusually long. As a CIO, how do you interpret this situation? It definitely has been very different than the previous times, uh, you know, because First of all, the pace at which the rate hikes happened is unprecedented. And despite the sharp rate hikes over the last 18 months, we haven't seen any significant impact in terms of the employment, which is still remains quite strong. Early wages are still on an upward trajectory and inflation is still sticky. What it is showing is it's sort of, and again, we are of that camp, uh, we believe that we are in a in in a market which is going to head into sort of a soft landing uh, versus a hard landing this time, despite the the sharp rate hikes. 
And I believe this whole story about soft landing, which us and pretty much most of the market believes, is what is keeping the long end of the curve anchored and flattish. The other factor, of course, is the stickiness of the inflation itself, right? So we still haven't won the battle against inflation. It stays high, will remain high for a longer period of time, and which will make the Fed keep its rate higher for longer. Now, all these factors are suggesting that the long end, like the inversion, is which would have happened in normal cases where people start expecting a recession, is not happening and the yield curve is staying flat. Thank you, Shirag. Before we shift our focus to the GCC region, I would like to discuss China with you. Okay. Given recent indicators, it appears China might be on the brink of deflation. With its July consumer price index at negative 0.3% and August just barely in the positive at 0.1%, it's a concerning trend. Given China's significant contribution to the world's GDP, do you believe other countries might follow suit here? China, Anton, you know, uh, is, is currently going through a fair bit of issues from a micro perspective. The issues are specific to China, not necessarily the rest of the world. Housing being a classic example, consumption, the other one. And third, I think generally a concerning development about China is the population degrowth, right? It's for the first time since 2022, the Chinese population has flattened and expected to degrow. The number of older people in the population are increased rapidly every year going forward. There was a very beautiful article, I can't remember, the Japanification of China. I would not be surprised if in the next five to seven years, the Chinese growth slows down and, and, you know, the Japanification happens where you are getting into a phase of not a deflation, but, you know, a very low growth and low rates. Now, yeah, will that have an impact on the world? Yes, definitely. China is a sizable player in the in the global GDP. Will it have an immediate impact on the world today because of the deflation in China? I don't see that happening immediately because the deflation in China is more to do with their own internal problems rather than the rest of the world's problems. So yes, they, they, it will have some influence, but not a significant influence in the near future, which is, let's say, three to six months. Thank you, Shirag. Okay. Time to turn our attention to the GCC now. How would you describe the evolution of the fixed income market in the region over the past few years? And based on that, what trends do you anticipate in the near future for the GCC market? This is an area very close to my heart. I've spent 19 years in GCC, in QIC. It's very interesting that the first euro bond issuance from GCC region happened only in the year 2000. I mean, before that, the market was pretty much non-existent. Even if there were issuances, they were very tiny, nothing to talk about. So a real $1 billion sovereign issuance happened only in the year 2000. So, so if you can think about it, it's only a 23-year-old market. Fairly nascent. It's a new kid on the block. But what it has achieved in 23 years is quite remarkable. So from the first issuance in 2000 until 2023, now we have $500 billion of uh, Eurobond issuance is outstanding. And now GCC's weight in the JP Morgan Emerging Market Bond Index is close to 20%, slightly below 20%. It has really evolved in the last, uh, let's say, 20 years. There's a lot more potential to, to grow from here. Very interesting. Thanks for sharing this information with us, uh, Shirag. Next question is related to oil. And actually, you mentioned oil earlier. 
My question to you, Shirag, is given the GCC renowned depends, dependency on oil revenue, I'm curious about how Qatar insurance company approached this and specifically how does QIC assess the impact of oil price fluctuation on its portfolio? So oil price at, at where it is currently or generally above 75 for GCC is an absolutely wonderful thing. The share of oil GDP versus non-oil GDP is still very large. We're talking about more than 75% of the region's GDP is still dependent on oil and oil services, oil related. So, so that means oil at 1992 makes a huge impact or a huge positive impact on the on these economies, including Qatar and hence including QIC. So what it does is it obviously, first of all, improves the balance sheets of the countries, uh, especially the weaker ones like Oman and Bahrain significantly. We've already seen countries like Oman, which were deep non-investment grade, are not already on the cusp of being rated investment grade very shortly. They're double B plus by S&P now. You know, countries like Qatar, uh, UAE, which are very strong in their balance sheet, get further stronger, get pushing for a double A rating from a double A minus. And, and what we have also seen is that the spreads over the years for all these you know countries due to their stronger balance sheet and you know oil has remained about about 70 75 dollars for the last three years now since that march 2020 dip so i think what it has done is that the spreads have come in very sharply and now just to give you an example of korea versus let's say qatar both are sort of equally rated if you look at 2015, you know, uh, something like Qatar used to trade almost 50 to 60 basis point wider of Korea uh, just in 2015. And now Qatar, countries like Qatar and Abu Dhabi actually trade tighter than, than Korea on spread basis. So that's the impact of this whole oil story on countries like Qatar, Abu Dhabi and Saudi. What it does to us, yes, it improves our balance sheet. It improves the quality of our holdings on the balance sheet, creates a capital gain because of the tightening of the spreads for us. Very interesting. Thank you once again, Shirag here. My next question is more geopolitical in nature. And given the geopolitical challenges that you face in the GCC region sometimes, I'm wondering how does QIC approach risk management as far as geopolitics is concerned. So you're right. I think the geopolitical challenges are real in this part of the world. The region has been fairly unstable, let's say, in the last uh, 50 to 70 years, as far as the geopolitics is concerned. Uh, so that requires a, a more active portfolio management for our side. As QIC, we try to limit our exposure to the region to, to certain thresholds. So just, just to give an example, on close to a $3.5 billion prop book, uh, fixed income portfolio, our exposure to GCC region is less than 15%. We, so it's a well-diversified portfolio with, with, with GCC weights being fairly small. Uh, this is primarily because we got our business presence, we got some of our cash deposits and other asset classes in the region. So we need to control exposure on the fixed income side to the region. So, so diversification is one of the ways to, to sort of control the geopolitical uh, uh, risks on the portfolio. Understood. And thank you very much. Actually, you just answered my uh, my next question and my last question, which was percentage of GCC bonds uh, in your portfolio, but you mentioned 15%. I recall a few minutes ago, you mentioned that the GCC was about 20% in JP Morgan benchmark. How do you explain that 5% gap here? Are you going to go 
uh, higher in your allocation later this year if oil keeps on rising? How do you manage that uh, small gap with the JP Morgan benchmark here? It's a good question, uh, Antoine. We, as at QIC, we run a uh, non-benchmark portfolio, but we have passive benchmark, not active benchmarks on the portfolio. So, so yes, JPM, EMBI is one of the key benchmarks. The GCC rate is about 18-19% in that. So, we are slightly below currently, but it's more of a tactical positioning. As I mentioned, that higher oil prices in the last three years have created a big positive impact on the regional spreads. The spreads have become super tight, super, super tight to an extent that we are becoming uncomfortable. And that's why we have reduced our exposure to the region to 15 and below. When we feel, uh, while at the same time, there are other economies in the emerging market and developed market, which are providing us better spread or better value for our But Once we sense that the spreads are becoming reasonable, maybe oil price goes back to 70, 75 as the economy slow down, as the Fed starts cutting rates in middle, let's say 24, 25, you know, economy slow down and oil prices uh, go down. I think that's the time when we will start building up our positions on, on some of the stronger GCC names. So, so that gap is more tactical and we're watching it uh, very closely. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Shirag. This is, this is great. And I want to thank you for all these insights. As we wrap up this podcast, I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to enlighten our listeners. And I really wish you continued success uh, in your role as the group CIO of Qatar Insurance Company. Shirag, thanks again. Thank you very much. Thank you, Antoine. And it was my pleasure to be on this uh, podcast. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Lighthouse Canton Insights Podcast. We hope you have found this conversations insightful. To hear more conversations from more experts, please do subscribe to the Lighthouse Canton's Insights Podcast. You can also stay up to date with Lighthouse Canton's latest news and insights by visiting our website at www.lighthouse-canton.com or social media pages. We look forward to having you again in the next episode. This podcast has been prepared by Lighthouse Canton Private Limited and all its affiliates for informational purposes only. There is nothing contained in this podcast that constitutes advisory services. This podcast shall in no event constitute or be considered as advice to invest in any specific investment or investment class, vehicle or in financial instrument. The information contained in this podcast shall not be considered as legal, tax, financial or other advice. You should consult a professional to obtain specific advice regarding financial, legal, regulatory, tax and other regulations applicable to you. You should consult a financial advisor authorized in your jurisdiction before making any investment decision to ensure that you fully understand the products and potential risks involved. Please visit www.lighthouse-canton.com podcast for more details.